Leader Talk. 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 Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Dawson. Welcome to Leader Talk. This show is proudly brought to you by Brainiac. Each week we are meeting with incredible leaders from across Australia and around the world to discuss all things leadership and business insights. Each person coming on this show has given up their valuable time for one very clear purpose, to give back to small and medium business owners. In this episode, my co-host, CEO of Peerlight, Gus Arianto, and I are excited to chat to Conrad Gronwald, CEO at Detmold Group. Conrad has global experience in organisations such as James Hardy, HealthShare New South Wales, and Visi. As an innovative and progressive leader, Conrad understands the power of collaboration and being a team player. Conrad has expertise in leading high-performing teams, generating a company culture around winning, and motivating stakeholders with his structured and profitable business strategies. Welcome to the show, Conrad. Thanks very much, Natalie. It's great to be here. Welcome, Conrad. So looking forward for this dialogue. Good to see you again, Gus. Looking younger every day. (laughs) Hey, that's the spirit. When you eat noodles as much as me, you get younger that's every day. Look, fantastic, guys. Um, Conrad, as a, uh, what we do with our guests um, on each episode, we ask them two fun questions at the very beginning. So if it's okay, I'll ask you your two questions. Now, the okay. first one we'd love to know is, as a child, what did you want to be when you grow up? Oh, um I think originally I wanted to become a, a sportsman. That, that was, uh, I, yeah, I was, uh, I managed to play at a reasonable level of sport in both rugby and cricket, which in South Africa were the sort of staple sports um, at, at that stage. Um, and I, I had aspirations to, to one day represent my country. And at the time it wasn't even professional, but uh, I wanted to make sure that I was in the mix for that. Um, so, yeah, I, and the only reason I went to school was so I could play sport. Um, all of our all of our sport was was done through through school. There, there weren't many sporting clubs, so yeah, school kind of became a, a means to an end for me to to go and play sport. So that, that was my my dream um, back in the day. Oh, fantastic! And Gus, yours was correct me if I'm wrong to be a teacher. Yes, I always want to be a teacher, but don't forget, I also want to be a noodle chef. So, so oh. I always have to plan just in case one <laughs> uh, And um, Conrad, your first job, can we ask what was your first job? Yeah, my first job was, I guess, for, for a lot of teenagers, you, you end up somehow in hospitality. And uh, I, was, I ended up behind a, behind a bar when I was doing my national service. So I did, I did military in, in South Africa. Um, and at the time, I was I was actually working behind a behind a bar, um, which which was great fun. Taught me a lot, um, and that, that was the first paid job I got. Um, I had volunteered as a lifesaver um, when I was growing up, but the first first job that I actually did that I got money for, um, and and sometimes we weren't paid in money either. We were paid in in, in beers and and beverages. So that. that but it was still it was still the first commercial job that I that I had. Oh, that's fantastic! You were in hospitality as well, Gus, weren't you? Yes, I'm in hospitality as well, but not as lucky as Conrad. I'm actually a kitchen hand, and it's actually 
teaching me a lot. One plate at the time. One <laughs> one plate at a time. I was working in a, one of the busiest Chinese restaurants, so you can imagine the the amount of plates that come to my desk. Uh, I call it desk. It's like hundred and hundred and one plate at a time, and there is no free beer for no. me. It's only plate. all of this sounds so interesting, um, Conrad. And even yesterday, when we're pulling together your, you know, one paragraph bio that we could, you know, do as the introduction, you have a really impressive story in Korea. And um, we're hoping you could just tell us a bit about who is Conrad um, and a bit about Detmold Group as well, if you could. Sure. No, thanks, Natalie. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, the I'm sort of going to talk around planning today, but it would be fair to say I, I didn't have a plan. I wasn't one of those those people who left university with a, with a five-year plan or a ten-year plan. Um, I, I've, I've just always believed that if you if you do your best and, and you, you show up every day and you give your all, then then doors will, will open for you. And, and that's certainly been, been the case um, for me. So from a career perspective, um, it, it's really gone full circle. Uh, so I, I left the army. Um, and went to go and study chemical engineering um, in, in Natal in, in South Africa, um, and then joined a, a company called Mondi, Mondi, Mondi Packaging. Um, they were kind enough to give me a scholarship, uh, and then I worked back for them once, once I graduated. Um, so I was in, in pulp and paper making, um, and, and that was really where I started, started my career. And uh, in the early 2000s, um, I was approached by Busy Industries in, in Australia to to help them start up their their uh, their tumor factory in country New South Wales, so that was that was obviously a significant uh, move for us. We we moved from South Africa in, into Australia. That was that was what what sort of paved the way for our, our immigration um, into country New South Wales, um, starting up a five hundred million dollar factory, which honestly was was one of the most adrenaline inspiring uh, experiences that I've ever had. Um, I, I developed a really good relationship with, with the owner, Richard Pratt, of, of Busy, um, and then he asked me to go to Sydney um, and work at, at one of the recycling factories in Smithfield, um, again, still in, in pulp and paper. Um, from there, ended up back at Tumut to, to help start up phase two of, of the factory, uh, which by now was a, was a billion-dollar factory and a, and a fantastic place. Um, and then moved to Adelaide with uh, with Jeb's Cross with Busy Board um, to to basically end the supply chain. Um, following on from that, I, I, I did a, a couple of years in, in the health sector, um, so working for clinical waste company um, and also for for the for the government, uh, New South Wales Health. Um, so you'll you'll be seeing uh, far too much of of my some of my my ex colleagues on TV these days as they take us through through the plan for for the pandemic. So. I headed up the, the shared services um, division of New South Wales Health, um, which provided all of the back of office services like um, food supplies, linen, uh, shared services like payroll, et cetera. So uh, following on from that, um, I then went kind of back towards my, my manufacturing roots um, and joined James Hardy uh, Building Products. And that's where I had the, the pleasure of, of meeting Gus. Um, and, and lots of other great people in, in that business. Uh, I was the general manager for Asia Pacific, um, and then at the end of a, a pretty a pretty aggressive globalisation strategy, um, I've now, as I say, gone full circle. I'm back in in packaging um, in in the Detmold Group. So uh, the Detmold Group is you know 
interestingly started, of course, as, as an SME. Um, started in Adelaide, uh, founded in, in 1947 by the owner, uh, and, and it's grown. It's now a global entity. Um, we've got uh, manufacturing facilities in eight countries across the world. Um, we specialize in, in food packaging, um, so hot cups, cold cups, food wraps, um, cat, uh, sorry, satchel bags, carry bags. Uh, we're now entering more into the retail space. So, you know, with, with partners like Uber Eats and, and, and some of those, those sort of um, satchel bags. So it, it's a really exciting place um, and a great, a great company to be, to be a part of. Um, so I've been with them for two months now. Um, very steep learning curve. Um, and, and getting getting in touch with with what you know what makes the business successful and making sure that uh, that I can build on on that foundation because it's a very strong foundation and, and a great business and I'm, I'm really looking forward to taking it into into the next the next level of growth. That's fantastic. Do you see Gus why I struggled with the bio? <laughs> yeah, it is fantastic. So fantastic. look, Conrad, you've clearly you know been in a lot of leadership roles. I'd be keen to know um, what you think is uh, the best kind of um, leadership style for organisational success in 2021, especially given the current situation. What would be your view on that? Yeah, I think the I think very I think leaders with very strong value bases are, are going to be successful at this time. Um, I think people with with a real empathy. And, and care for their teams um, as, as everyone struggles. You know, people, people are all dealing with this differently. Um, some, some people see it as a very temporary, transient phase that we're all going to go through and we're going to be fine. Um, but but you, you can't sort of take a one-size-fits-all approach, I think, to, to how people are dealing with it. So I think that the, the, the ability of a leader to, to be empathetic um, and, and certainly supportive of teams, uh, I think, is, is an absolutely critical um, success criteria at the moment. And then I also think, so that's, that's from more from the values side. I think from a, from a leadership strength perspective, um, the ability to be creative and adaptable in, in these times. Uh, you know, things, things are moving and changing daily. Um, and I've seen some businesses, particularly in the, in the SME segment, um, really, really embrace that. And take advantage of some of the opportunities that that has come as a result of adversity. Um, always mindful, though, that that some will, some businesses just just haven't been able to to shift their model, and and these are very tough times for for those businesses as well. So, yeah, I, I think that 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 ability to be empathetic and supportive of of your of your teams and understand what they're going through, or try and understand what they're going through, uh, and then be, being creative and adaptable, um, and and really quite agile, I think, in, in how, how you approach approach the environment. Now, that, that's kind of how, how I see it. How do you see it, Gus? Uh, I, uh, you know, I could be biased on this. Obviously, I'm part of your team not long ago. With, well, it's more than five years now, but so I can see firsthand how you lead, which is exactly what you say. Uh, I totally agree. I think I call it a servant leadership, leading with heart, uh, as at the end of the day, the only thing can save an organization during uncertain times are the fact that the people show up. You know, when you mentioned before, when you graduate, you do not have any plan because you believe if you show up, you will be successful. And I think the ability of a leader to make sure the people want to show up, 
and we understand no one want to show up if they are under duress. Uh, it's a key skills. And from the intellect point of view, from the from the leadership leadership strength, I think I agree with you. Uh, courageous, making fast decision, creative, uh, while still hold your values. I totally agree with you, Conrad, on uh, on this. Uh, as that's how we run it. Uh, how that's how I wake up every day or try to be like fantastic. That and then I guess going on from that. Um um, I'll ask you, Conrad, this question. How would, um, what would be your advice um, for small and medium businesses wanting to generate great ideas in their organization? How would you, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's twofold. I think it's, you, you've got to create an environment where, where people are, are wanting to share their ideas. Um, and, and then you've, within that environment, you've also then got to try and create the vehicle by which people can do that. So, yeah, it, it, it's one of the things that I think in, in the in the modern age we, we've we've lost a little bit of. And, and we used to have suggestion boxes at uh, at our at our workplace. These days, it's it's not a suggestion box; it's a suggestion chat room or whatever the case may be. But uh, I think I think making sure that you have a vehicle so that the, every voice in the organisation can can be heard. Uh, I think particularly now. We, what we're seeing is, is as, as organisations embrace diversity and bring more people with different ways of thinking about things, I think if you're not tapping into that, that resource, um, everyone has an idea. Okay, It may not always be the, the right one, but everyone has an idea. So making sure that you, you create that environment um, and also, as I said, the vehicle by which people can, can provide those suggestions and ideas about the business, I think, Really, really helps um, in, in making sure you you're tapping into this this huge, huge resource that, that we have as as business leaders. Yeah, yeah. And I can add to that, Conrad. You know, the challenges for a lot of leaders, I guess. Uh, you know, we 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 all wake up with a good intent. We create the vehicle, but unless you actually have a strong leadership capability and intent, what happens is you will always try to. Uh, to judge an idea based on your lens. Uh, hence, I think I, I always love what Albert Einstein said, you know, the minute you judge a fish for its ability to fly, then every idea that the fish actually gives, it's redundant. I mean, the reality is, as a noodle shop, so today I'm a noodle shop owner, Conrad, uh, you know, if one of my staff said to me, hey, why don't we put uh, Italian meatballs into the noodles and make it a menu? And if I if I really unable to actually explore creativity, I will actually block ideas. Doesn't matter how many suggestion box, doesn't matter how many, uh, I'm actually the fault. I'm actually, as a leader, the main problem of generating ideas. And I think that uh, for me is exactly what Conrad said. We, we, can come up, we, we come up with all this, but as a leader, you need to actually yeah. allow that to happen. Yeah. And I think yeah. Gus, you, you, you touched on a really important point is, if, if you don't respond appropriately to, to that, that idea or suggestion and you just shut it down, you, that person is going to be quite reluctant to come forward with, with another suggestion. So it might not be meatballs, um, but it, it might be cheese or something else. And, and, yeah. and, and that's the, the, the feedback loop becomes super important. So it, it's not only it, it, you've got to give the vehicle to, to people, but also make sure then that you follow up with the feedback. because. To, to your example about the fish and, and the bird, 
if 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 your employee comes to you and says, Gus, I think we should be selling uh, motor vehicle parts. Um, that's yeah. that's somewhat of, of an out there sort of idea. Um, and you've got to then be be clear with the employee and, and the person and say, okay, that doesn't really align with our strategy. Our strategy is to become the best noodle shop in in, in our area. Um, that that selling motor spare parts is really not aligned with with our with our key strategy. Yeah. But thanks for your suggestion. And and you know, so I think I think a lot of these suggestions people don't circle back and give feedback to to yes. people, which is super important because. Every time they, they come up with an idea, you have you, you can use it as a vehicle for engagement as well, and, and really reinforce that whole learning. We're a learning organisation, and we're going to try and take as many learnings as we can. And that's what. Oh, I love that learning organisation. It is really interesting because you can get great ideas, but not everything you can actually take on board. So how you just explained of you know gent you know cycling back that whole three sixty to acknowledge it. But then, you know, it doesn't align with the strategy. That's really Correct. interesting. So, keeping the team then motivated um, to stay on to stay on the journey to implement these kind of ideas. How would you suggest we keep keep them motivated and um, you know really bring them on the journey? Yeah, good good question. And I think particularly um, these days with with some of the COVID challenges, and, and you know, it, it's quite easy to get despondent about things. Not everything's going to work. Um, I, I think that if if I take some of the things that, that that I've looked at through through COVID, it's all of our cycles have sort of shortened. Um, all of our planning cycles, our forecasting cycles, everything is kind of we, we're living in a in a sort of two to four week cycle as opposed to a three to five year cycle in in some areas. And part of that means that we we, we should be celebrating the, the the small wins and the quick wins. Um, you know, it, it's not. It's not always about celebrating only the destination. Um, it's about celebrating some of the milestones. And even even when you have a failure, um, that's still an opportunity to acknowledge the effort that's been put in by by the team and and the people. It's it's not you don't. I think organisations that only celebrate big success, I think, are are, are going to find it quite hard to keep people motivated for these journeys because sometimes. In, in this modern day and age, just fronting up for work for some people is an achievement. And, and you know, just let, let's celebrate the small wins and, and let's make sure everyone is motivated, um, inspired. Let's do things differently. Um, back to my point earlier around that, that creativity. Uh, some of the things that, that we're doing uh, online with our employees now, you know, we, we, we have uh, bring bring your, your favorite hat to, to Teams Day. And, and you know, and... and Things that you would never normally consider, but these things create that energy and, and provide that wherewithal for for the teams to, to really kind of dig a little bit deeper, front up to work the next day, and say, "Yep, we're going to give it another go today." So, yeah, I, I think it's it is more challenging, but it's not impossible. Um, it's just about making sure you you're keeping your teams engaged, keep keeping trying, keeping them motivated, and and also um, having conversations. I think that don't relate to work. You know the, the the whole working from home concept. Um, it's challenging because you end up rolling out of bed in the morning, putting your clothes on, going and sitting behind a desk all day, talking about work. Um, your meals kind of get delivered to your desk. 
And the next thing you know, it's nine o'clock at night and you're still sitting behind your desk having meetings. Um, so I think breaking that cycle uh, and just having a conversation, just ringing people up and having a conversation about, hey, how are the kids? Um, you know, what, what are you guys, what's the first thing you're going to do once um, travel restrictions are lifted? You know, what, what's, what's your destination for your next holiday? All those sorts of conversations. I think just break the work cycle um, every now and again to, to sort of keep people engaged and, and thinking about other things as well. You know, uh, see, I, I'm biased about Conrad because I firsthand experience his leadership, right? And and this is why this is important for SME to actually understand this. When we're talking about breaking the cycle, ability to actually uh, allow people not to talk about work, so they have a they have a break. Uh, the reality of SME, uh, they have not enough resource to cover. But I always believe, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, they, you cannot win on both. The reality is COVID, if we talk about COVID or whatever other pressure that come in the future, uh, the people still have to be the priority because they're the one who execute it. In the absence of a well-being of the people and in the absence of the performance of the people, doesn't matter what strategy plan, what doesn't matter. It's impossible. And I, I love the way Conrad mentioned about the small thing, bringing people come to the office with the new, different hats, doing a different creative stuff that make people engage. So important. Yeah, um, it, uh, but just to add to that, I saw yeah. a really creative one the other week where the team wore their pajamas to a team's meeting. Now, where would we ever have thought people will get together and have a professional team meeting wearing pajamas? It's Absolutely. it's that creativity yeah. and, it, you know, bringing that different side to what was usually very professional, you know, you know what it's like. Yep. So, um, and, and, and it also, yeah. in, you know, it also engenders that, you know, if, if you look at, at leadership today, sorry, employees are looking to see some vulnerability from their leaders. Um, and, and when you've yep. got the CEO of an organization or, or the, the manager or the, you know, the, the head of the, of the noodle bar, Sitting, sitting in his pajamas, that, that, that shows that, you, A, you're part of the team, B, you have empathy and, and you're thinking about your team and you're willing to, to show some vulnerability, which, which I think is, is, is fantastic these days for, for leaders to show. Yeah, I definitely think it's, it's, it's lovely to see. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned um, celebrating small wins. Gus, I wanted to ask you about that because you do that all the time at Peerlight with your um, Peerlight Proud campaign. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, once again, you know, I, uh, you know, it's cra- it's crazy to think that all my leadership capability just come by itself. Obviously, I come from an organization that Conrad lead as well. So all these things that we, ex- that you know, I share back to my organization, uh, I learn from someone as well. In this case, obviously, uh, from Conrad. Um, uh, yes, we we do a lot of small celebration. I totally believe in what Conrad. M- mentioned before uh we all have a goal uh, we all want to go to the everest uh, i'm just putting a analogy here uh, the problem is only few can get there uh, and if we unable to actually celebrate the fact that we arrive in the base camp even base camp is big you know even the fact that we actually put the first step even the fact that we actually going to the shop before the first step to buy the jacket uh, i really believe in that so at Peerlight, we do that a lot we 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 focus on what we can control, and I think organization that only use 
leg as a matrix. Leg matrix means that number numbers as the main uh, focus. We'll be finding it hard to move in this dynage. Uh, at Pialite, uh, we focus on both leg and lead. So if the people do not achieve the numbers, yet they achieve the process and the discipline to get there, we celebrate them. We certainly do not focus on what I call a lucky number. You know, there's a lot of people say, hey, we are good because we produce X million dollar sales. And I said, what exactly you do? Nothing. I know the I know the client for 20 years. Well, ah, I don't think you actually know what to do. Right? The guy that is just entered the business making 100 phone calls, doing $1,000 sales, I celebrate him equally. Sorry, I get passionate about this thing, about, you know, focusing on, sorry, I forget, I'm actually in the live show. So <laughs> no, it's okay. Back to you. Um, <laughs> one that I've been wanting to ask you, Conrad, in your opinion, um, what qualities do you actually think are lacking from leaders today? It's always been an interesting um, topic. And times are obviously very different, as we've mentioned. Yeah, I think, and look, I'm speaking on, from a personal perspective. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had the, the benefit and, and been fortunate to work for some fantastic leaders. Um, similarly, I've had the, the, the misfortune and the benefit to work for, for some, some very, very ordinary leaders. And I, I think the first thing to note is that I've learned equally from both of those groups um, because you, you learn what to do and you learn what not to do. And, and I think that that's kind of key. I, I think at the, at the moment, one of the things that, that's really tripping leaders up is authenticity, um, and I think if 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 you didn't have a genuine connection with your people prior to the global pandemic, you can't create one uh, during these times. That that's extremely extremely difficult. So I think leaders who who lacked authenticity uh, and leaders who who lacked some of the, the the genuine care and compassion for for people, you can't create it in this environment. It, it's not possible. So I, I think that's if you look at some of the examples of organisations that that have have really struggled, um, I think that that's that's a, a good place to start putting putting the responsibility is don't don't, don't be unauthentic in your approach um, and and just be be very clear and and, and transparent in communication and, and people relate to that. It's very clear. What's your um, view on that, Gus? So if you you know, yeah. Ned, I spoke to you so many times about this. Uh, there is a time where Superman, uh, I'm a Superman fan, so maybe maybe other people, you know, looking at Batman, but I'm a Superman fan. There's a time where Superman is the uh, the picture of a leader, a guy that understands and know and how to do everything. You know, you look at something, you can put laser through the eyes and everything burn. Uh, but like what Conrad said, the connectivity and the authenticity matter. And unfortunately, there's only one Superman. And the minute you're unable to show your authentic self, which is including your strength and weakness, you can't connect. And, and to be able to do that, leaders have to be honest to the situation and transparent and also honest to what they do not know. I'm a big believer that I... I always say throughout my organization, we will, we are committed not to judge a face by the ability to fly. And I say to all my leadership team, I say that 
the minute you start testing people for what they don't know, uh, I will test you for what you do not know. How would you feel? And and for you to be able to be consistent around this, come back to what Conrad said. You need to be authentic. Yeah, it's simple, isn't it? it? When you think it's just be authentic. It's been, and I guess it ties back into values then, doesn't yeah. it? You know, live your values, bring them to life. Correct. Correct. And, and I think, you know, yeah. I think one of the, the, the challenges and drawbacks of, of the, the high level of, of activity we see in, in the leadership space is that there's, there's so many people trying to, to coach leadership and provide examples of leadership. And I think, I think people, people are getting a little bit confused around, okay, should I be managing, should I be a, 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 an authentic leader, should I be a servant leader, should I be a situational leader? And in all honesty, just, just be the leader that you are. You know, just, just be the net. People will respect you and, 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 and relate to you a lot more if you just yourself, just be yourself. You know, yeah. if, if you approach certain situations in a certain way um, and, and, and you understand your biases and you understand some of the things that, that, that you are good at and, as Gus said, that, that you're not good at, um, that's the conversation to be having with, with your organizations and your teams. Um, don't try and be something that you're not because the, the other thing is we, particularly under pressure, we will generally default back to our, our preferred natural mm-hmm. style. So if, if that happens, then from a credibility perspective, your teams will be looking at you saying, hang on, who's this guy? This is not the guy who, who's been around and, and, you know, being the player coach and, you know, morale. And then all of a sudden when the chips are down, um, you know, the, the angry man comes out, the Hulk comes out. Um, that, that's that, that's quite, quite damaging to people. You know, trust is just such an important element of, of leadership. And, and when people... When people don't think you're being authentic, that, that's that's an immediate red flag. And and if you then back it up with with unauthentic behaviour, um, I think that that just creates a level of mistrust that you can't really afford in uh, in successful leadership these days. Yeah, very nicely put. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can discuss leadership for the full hour, but I know we need to get onto the planning side of things. Um, and I know when we had our discussion, what really stuck with me was that quote, and I have it written down here because it was really powerful, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Um, And I know that's what we're going to be discussing. So to kind of kick it off, Conrad, um, you've mentioned to us previously in our discussion the importance of planning and it means different things to different people. How would you personally best describe this? Yeah, I think think when when people hear the word planning, that they... they immediately go to a project plan or a, 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 an itinerary, um, and, and I think what what I what I encourage um, SMEs to do is is don't drop down to that level too early. So when I'm talking about planning, I'm talking about business planning, and and that's 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 kind of all encompassing. It it covers it covers the entire spectrum from okay, what is our vision? Um, where do we want to be? Where do we want to position ourselves? Um, how, what is our purpose? What is our mission? Um, and then, okay, what is our strategy? So it, it's, it's all encompassing. And the, the actual plan drops out of all of those, those sort of key headlines. So I, I'm fortunate enough to sit on, on the board of a couple of SMEs. And I find, I find that the concept of planning is, is, 
is, is a real tension point um, for for them because the the bias is for activity and the bias is for let, let's let's do things let, let's go and, and 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 implement something and 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 that's fantastic and there's a place for that for sure but if you don't have a plan you know the the, the other quote that I've heard is if if you don't know where you're going any road will get you there um, and, and I, that, that so when I'm talking about overall business planning it's not just about the project plan it's around okay what what is our north star what what is our guiding light that we are going to pin every decision that we make as a business to so if if i'm running a noodle shop what what is my vision do i want to be the best noodle shop in the region do i want to have the biggest range of of um of, of noodles of recipes do i want to be the lowest cost noodle shop um these are all things that, that you've got to try and be quite purposeful about right at the beginning, as early in the journey as possible. Um, because without that North Star, uh, SME particularly, you, you're resource strapped. So you've got to be really clear that every resource you're using is being used on something that aligns to, to that North Star and, and to that vision. So it, it's all encompassing. At the, I don't sort of just pull out the little plan and say, okay, you know, if you don't have a plan for that, because environments will change. Uh, we've, we've seen that with, with the pandemic. Um, now, if your vision was to be the best noodle shop um, on, on the block, then the global pandemic has, has certainly thrown a spanner in the works of, of, of your, let's call it your, your three-year roadmap. But it hasn't, it hasn't destroyed your vision. Your, your vision is still intact. Um, you, you may have to navigate slightly differently around the current challenges, but your vision and your goal of being the, the best the, you know, the, the best noodle shop on the block is, is still intact. So, yeah. That, and, and, and I, and, sorry, Conrad, and I, I like what you said, Conrad, because when we spoke about this initially to, to bring this topic, you, you remind me a lot of SME, very energetic and passionate with their ideas. Well, they they start the business. They left everything because the idea of the business. Uh, and I agree with you. In the absence of that plan, uh, you actually will actually derail to where you want to go because you don't even know where you want to go because of your excitement. You know, you you know, I just want to cook the best yep. noodles. Yet we do not even know what the best noodle Correct. looks like. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, yeah, go ahead, I was going Natalie. to say just to um, add to that, you know, we when there's been situations we've had to write copy for small or medium businesses and, you know, obviously we need to understand the vision, mission and values of a, of a business and there have been situations where whether we're writing case studies, web copy or, you know, whatever it is, where there is no vision and mission and values because the perception is that we don't need that. And um, yeah. listening to what you're saying is that actually helps formulate your plan. You need that to actually write the plan. Is that correct? Well, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And and I think that's a that's a great misperception that that you you've called out. And I often get that. As I said, I, I sit on 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 a couple of boards, and the the first thing that I, I sort of get the view is, yeah, but we, we're not mm -hmm. big enough. We we you know you. You're running corporate businesses; they need, and 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 I think also it's important to note that it doesn't have to be 
a 10-page glossy document with a, you know, you know what I mean? And I think that that's also one of the, mis, the misconceptions is it, it can be as simple as uh, uh, the example that, that I use. Um, Richie McCaw, for, for those rugby players, um, arguably one of the best rugby players in the world, his, his plan was on the back of a napkin that he wrote when he was in, in a store in, in New Zealand. Um, he was talking to his uncle, and he said he wanted to be an All Black, um, and that was that was written out. So they they sketched the sort of the map towards how that how he could do that, and then his uncle said, "Well, do you want to just be an All Black, or do you want to be one of the best All Blacks ever?" And again, some similar sort of context, right? And he he said, "I want to be one of the one of the best All Blacks ever," and and. You know, again, arguably, and, and I'm sure there's lots of Australians who are, are, are sort of throwing things at the screen right now about me mentioning Richie McCaw. Uh, keep in mind, I'm a South African and a Springbok supporter, so it's, it's difficult for me to do it as well. But I just thought that's such a good example where it doesn't have to be a, a huge headline. It doesn't have to be a glossy uh, marketing presentation. But irrespective of the size of the organization, if you've got your vision and you've got your purpose, you can you can relate to that every day, every decision that comes across your desk. If you've got your north star and your vision, and you can say, "Does this align with where we are wanting to go as a business?" And if the answer is no, then it goes, and, and you and you park it to the side. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I think that's a great misperception um, that, that you highlighted, Natalie. And it, uh, I, I really encourage um, SMEs to to take the time. And, and think about where, what do we want to be when we grow up, right? Um, as a, as a business, uh, because the energy and the and the enthusiasm that comes from from SMEs, it's it's so infectious, and and people people want to go out and do things, and, and they, they come up with the most amazing ideas. But if you can't attach it to something, it, it can become a challenge to to stay on track as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's a great it's a great call out, Natalie. And what I learned from uh, from this conversation right now is the fact that once you have your North Star, you know, your vision, your mission, you know, your purpose, uh, how do we plan financially, strategically, uh, become very clearer? It's clearer. If you want to be, if your vision is to be the largest noodle shop uh like McDonald's style noodle shop, and today I only have one, then uh, to actually make a lot of uh, creative adjustment to the noodles will never get me there because uh, noodle chain have to have standards. So I need to start from day one doing that. Now, this is this is what I learned. What's your view? So if I ask you this in context of that, um, say... As a noodle shop, for example, how do we plan financially and strategically in the back of our North Star? Where do we start? How do we how do we become disciplined about that? In the high level uh, question of course. yeah, I think I think what you said there is is really important. It, it, if you have the right North Star and the right goal and objective, all of that. Let's call it that that second tier planning around um, resources, finances, um, operational excellence, all of those sort of things they they become easier 
Um, again, back to that analogy, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. So if you don't have the North Star, planning financially becomes almost impossible because you don't know what your objective is. So, yeah, you, you need that goal to then say, okay, to, to your example, I want to be a, a global noodle, um, noodle shop. Okay. So I've then got to think about what are the decisions that I need to make today that are going to enable that. And, 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 and the, the sort of phrase that, that I often encourage people to use is, let's start as we want to finish. Um, so let, let, let's make sure that we've got the end in, in sight. And, and we, all of our behaviors, every, every brick that we lay in that foundation is going to be necessary for that long-term goal. Um, and, and then your plans drop out of it. So if you're, if, if you're wanting to, even if you're not wanting to become a global noodle, if you just want to have five, you want to have five noodle shops in, in the local region, well, you've then got to decide, okay, do I think I have the capability to start up all five at once? Well, okay, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think I'm going to start with, with two this year. And then that drives your financial decision-making and that drives your employment decisions and it drives how much you're going to invest in training. So, again, it, it comes down to how clear you are about your destination and about how you're going to approach that, that roadmap. And then the plans literally drop out of that um, because you've got that North Star, you've got that, that, that ability to say, does this align with our, with our strategy? And, and if it doesn't, then, then you scrap it. And, and that's... That's the other thing I think, Gus um, and Natalie, that's, that's really important. Um, and one of the things that I know we, we drove um, pretty hard at, at James Hardy, Gus, is be very clear on what you are going to do, but be just as clear on what you're not going to do. Because those become the distractions. And, and again, SMEs, we, we know that they're always, always tight on resources. So they, they can't afford to be distracted. They can't afford to not be clear on what they are going to do and what they're not going to do. Because if they're investing time and resources in the things that they're not going to do, that's going to prevent them from investing time and resources in the things that, that they are going to do. So have, have the plans drop out of that, I think. And this is, you know, if you really see it from leadership point of view, why, this is my personal view, why a lot of leaders fail, uh, whether it's a leader of our organization or a leader of SME, in the absence of clarity, you can actually take the people into the journey because they get frustrated. Sure. You know, even the owner, even the owner, I'm, I'm as a noodle shop owner become frustrated because one day I wake up, I want to be global. The next day I wake up, I want to have two. The next day I wake up, I want to actually open a spaghetti house. You know, like this disruption become problematic. So I think why we decided to bring Conrad topic to the surface for the SME is the topic is not, to be honest, this is how I put it. Mm, you know, we're bringing a topic called planning. Um, you know, th this is not a uh, a topic that people actually comfortably want to hear on Thursday morning, right? But in the absence, in the absence of discipline around this, your leadership capability will be challenged, your 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 clarity will be challenged, and then it impacts 
everything that you want to do. That so thank you, Conrad. I love when you said, well, "Can you repeat again?" Let's start with you know, you know, when you say destination. I like that. Let's, let's start as we want to finish. Um, so let's let's let all of our behavior. If if we want to be a global business one day, our behavior has to align with that. Um, you know, you, you, if you want to be a uh, a business partner in in five um, noodle shops, for for example, you, you've got to portray the the, the behaviours and, and the leadership of somebody who's going to do that. So it's it's really you starting, you, you're getting things in place, and and I, 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 there's a caveat to that, and and I'm sure that that there's probably people in the audience thinking, yeah, that that's easy to say if you've got resources of people and you've got teams of people to to go out and, and do this. Um, and resources is certainly beneficial, but that doesn't stop you from making sure that the processes that you put inside your your organisation and your business are scalable. And and if you if your plan is to to scale up, then think about that in your in your decision making. And and back to your point, Gus, if if you're waking up from day to day and, and one one week you're saying right, we're going to be a global force. Uh, and the next week, no, you know what, we're just going to stay in Australia. And then the next week after that, you know what, we're just going to stay in our suburb. Th- th- those things are, are fine, but you can't lead an organization like that because you'll create confusion and, and people will be like, well, hang on, then why are we, if we're just going to be local, then why are we translating our menus into five different mm-hmm. languages, for example? So it's, yeah, it, it's definitely helpful, I think, if, if you have the, the end in mind. Um, so, yeah, start, start as you want to finish. Yeah. Isn't it lo- lovely, that example? Uh, I, I think is. this is the key of all it. You know, if you want to be local, yet you actually asking your one of my staff, which is I'm a small noodle shop, so I got students working for me and said, hey, can you create the menu in five languages? Well, maybe there is five language, uh, you know, ethnics in my suburb, but it still need to be clear as well because, because you know, instead of asking the staff to clean the restaurant. I, <laughs> the staff will be busy doing something. So I, I love this, uh, the example that you put, Con. And I think um, part of that as well, and particularly in, in the SME space, is be be very clear on what you're good at and and play to your strengths. Um, be, be very clear if, if you are the noodle shop, why are people going to buy your noodles as opposed to other people's noodles? And and again, stay true to that um, throughout your journey. If if that's your differentiator, if that's if that's your source of competitive advantage, that's that's what you you're good at. Then keep playing to those strengths throughout that journey, um, and 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 you'll find that there's a loyalty that also and that also drives the right behaviour. Um, so yeah, if, if everyone, all of your teams, whether you a team of, of three or a team of 3,000, if, if they know, if everybody knows what you're good at and they keep playing to those strengths, it becomes extremely difficult for, for competitors to, to get in your space. Yeah, this is really interesting. And um, I've got a question for both you, Conrad, and Gus. Um, um, you know, you're a small business and uh, you're busy. You have, you have limited resources like you mentioned. If there was one bit of advice you can give them about the importance of planning, what would it be? So for any of those that go, 
too busy sounds really difficult, which you've just explained, you know, can be as simple as writing it down on the back of a napkin. What piece of advice would you give them? My, my, my advice would be consult as, as widely as you can. Um, the, the benefit, one of the benefits of large organizations is diversity, as we spoke about um, earlier. So if you've got, if you've got 20 people on your, on your management team and, and you've got a diverse group, you, you will get strengths. All of those people will have strengths and weaknesses and they'll, they'll help guide the business. Um, sometimes when you're an SME, you've got one or two people. The, the risk there is you're not, you're not really able to diversify your thinking. So go outside of your, of your business and, and speak to as many people as possible um, about, about your vision, about your purpose. Um, get, you know, speak to the, the most, sometimes it, it helps to speak to the most pessimistic person that you know um, and, and really get them, get them to, to, to rain on your plan, uh, I guess. Um, because sometimes those, those pessimistic people will, will identify potential roadblocks for you. Don't, don't always surround yourself with optimistic people who don't see any obstacles to growth. Uh, make, make sure you, you're consulting as wide as wide a range of people as, as possible. Um, that, that whole consultation, you're not in it alone. I think that, that's the other, the other key message for, for SMEs. Um, people think because they don't have scale, they don't have the gravitas and the ability to, to go and consult with people. And that, that's, that's not true. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of people, look at this initiative that, that Gus has started. Um, there's a lot of people who, who do understand the economic significance and the importance of SMEs. Um, people who are willing to take time out and, and help and help this group grow because, you know, my business that I'm running at the moment started as an SME. Um, Visi Industries started as an SME. James Hardy started as an All There's no businesses these days. No, no business starts as a $3 billion entity. So we've got to encourage that, that group and, and they've got to consult and ask lots and lots of questions um, and get that diversity so that they can take all of that into their think tank and say, okay, I've now got a lot more information on which I can base my, my decisions. And, and again, there are people out there who are, are very willing to help and, and give, give their viewpoints. So, yeah, I think consult as, as widely as you can, particularly if you've got a small business um, because otherwise, you, you know, you're only – you're only really able to get two or three opinions. Um, and, and again, uh, you know, in, in an SME, you know, what, what, what interests my boss fascinates me. So if, if you're the leader of an SME and, and, you've, and you've sort of given, uh, given your perspective on things, well, the reality is that your employees are more than likely to agree with you, uh, which, which is, is not, not always healthy either. So I think, yeah, my advice would be cast the net as wide as you can ask lots and lots of questions and consult quite widely. That's great. And what's your view on that, Gus? And, and I, on top of what Conrad said, because I agree, um, when you open your mind, you suddenly see a lot of people want to help. You know, just even using the leader talk. You know, uh, I've been talking about this for three years. The minute we have the platform, I have the first stem speaker. And thank you, Conrad, number five. You know, we spoke about yesterday, I, you know, the minute you ask for help, it will, it will open your world. The problem is come back to initially what Conrad spoke about around leadership. Leadership is not when you become a leader of a $3 billion company. A leader is a noodle shop owner. 
a leader is a dad. A leader is, the question is, do you want to ask for help? And small business do not have time. And you don't have money because the money need to go back to the business. Now, you have 100 people that can give you insights. The question is, do you want to hear for the insights? Number two, coming back to your question, I how do I say it without... Uh, I think it's not a choice. You need to put the time to plan. And leading to that, I want to ask Conrad something very interesting around this. Once you have the North Star, once you have the plan, let's put discipline as a topic here. Because in the absence of discipline, uh, d- you know, d- the whole thing will become the next day I'm changing from noodle shop to spaghetti bar because it's just too difficult. So Conrad, uh, following the questions, I, I want to say, how do you lead with all the authenticity, you know, leading with heart, you know, try to make sure the people are inclusive, kind, what do you think, without jeopardize discipline? What's your view on that? Yeah, I think that, that's a great question. Um, and, and I think too, too many leaders rely entirely on discipline um, and, and too many leaders rely entirely on more of a sort of, uh, as you say, kumbaya type um, approach where, you know, make, making sure every, everyone is happy. And I, I think what, what I would say is people are intrinsically motivated by a sense of achievement. So nobody really wants to just sit around and, and sing kumbaya and, and you know, have a, have a really fantastic, uh, everyone's arms around each other, but we've achieved absolutely nothing. Um, that sense of achievement is is within every single human being. People are motivated by that. They're inspired by that. So, keeping the discipline is is around making sure you have you have your project plan, um, you have your your regular check ins. So you're monitoring your progress relative to the plan. Um, if there's a, a variation in the plan, nip it in the bud. Uh, make the decisions early. Don't allow the plan to get way off track and then six, in, try and recover six months of lost time in, in a week. So having that, that, that regular cadence, um, and again, small to medium businesses will, will often say we don't have time for a management system. Uh, and again, it doesn't have to be an elaborate management system. It can just be, okay, we've got a milestone checker and every, every fortnight or every month we're going to get together and, and, and report on progress to milestones, um, that, that, that drives that, that culture of accountability. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, and again, it's not about the big stick. Um, it's about making sure people are held to account. And, and, and generally, people want to be held to account because they want to achieve. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good question, though, and I think there's, there are definitely opportunities for, for businesses, particularly in the small to medium, have the plan, have the little project plan and keep 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 monitoring those milestones, um, and 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 that also gives you the opportunity to celebrate success. And um, Conrad, yesterday when we had a brief discussion, I mentioned you know you know planning all sounds great, but now we've got COVID and you know it, planning you know we we can't kind of plan long term; it's kind of shorter time frames. And you shared this really great analogy of you know going on a trip I think it was from Sydney to Melbourne um and would you mind sharing that because I found it really useful yeah, yeah with the yeah. tire puncture yeah. in the middle so, uh, sure I use that quite a lot actually because 
I think if we can break things down into analogies, it, it yes. makes it, it makes it far more 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 real. So if if your north star is and you're living in Sydney and and your your north star is you you want to travel to Melbourne, um, you will draw up a plan and and you'll make sure that your your car is is maintained and. You, you've got enough fuel and you know where the fuel stops are. You've got food. You, you might have a plan. You might get into some really, really detailed planning around where you're going to stop and what food you're going to pack. And you merrily into your plan, two hours into your journey, you, you get a puncture. Um, that doesn't mean that you throw the plan out. It simply means you, you stop and think and, and you readjust. Your North Star hasn't changed. Your North Star is still to get to Melbourne. Now you've had a setback, absolutely. Um, there's no no denying that, and, and you need you, you. Hopefully, if you've planned appropriately, you've got a spare tire that is that is ready to go, and, and you and you put the spare tire on, and it's a setback. Um, and at that point, you might need to make some adjustments. Um, so if if you've got a an appointment at your North Star and you're not going to make that appointment, you may need to then immediately make sure that the person who who you're going to is realizes that you've been set back by an hour or you may have allowed that contingency in your in your original plan which which i think most of us would would do for for an important appointment so it i think the key is to to to, to differentiate between what is a setback um and what is a, an actual showstopper um and and very rarely are are there significant showstoppers um in in business uh there, there will on occasion be but but honestly they're not that many. It's it's really the it's it's the the interruption to plan that's far more common. Now we, we there's no one anyone who who has a business plan that goes ahead without any obstacles or hindrances or competitor reaction or you know lack or missing a deadline. The reality is they're just not trying hard enough um, and they're making it too easy because there are always going to be obstacles and there's always going to be headwinds. And, and the, the difference between success and failure is how you respond to those. Um, because if, 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 you, if you throw the, the North Star out every time you, you hit a bump in the road, um, you, you really, you're never going to be able to continue with, with the journey. So, yeah, I think, I think that, that's where that resilience and, and that's where you build some of that, in, that, that sort of um, internal resilience for your business. And, and that's how you show the people within your business that, yeah, you know what, we've had a setback. We're going to make this adjustment. We're going to pivot. We're going to be agile because we're operating in this short-term cycle, and uh, we're going to continue on on our journey. Um, I think that that that's sort of the the analogy that, that we spoke about uh, yesterday. Yeah. yeah, it is. And Gus, I think it's we can agree that anyone listening that doesn't have a business plan or a plan will go away and make a plan based on everything you've discussed now, Conrad. You've just made it. Sorry, Gus. Yeah, I think. It- I think it's uh, necessary. I think it's a uh, it's, uh, it's absolutely necessary. Fantastic! And look, everyone, I'm and just looking at the time. Yeah. We've actually reached the end of our show, so thank you so much, Conrad. Um, Gus, I know you like to do a wrap up of kind of what we've learned. Is there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, to wrap up. Um, but before we wrap up, uh, I just want to congratulate. Uh, Conrad in the new journey with Devmold Group. Uh, I think the organization very lucky uh, and very fortunate to experience your leadership. I experienced your leadership firsthand. Whatever you mentioned is actually stay with me as well. 
planning that we talk about, uh, while it sounds uh, difficult, uh, unfortunately, is needed. Uh, you do not have to plan uh, with a glossy 20 pages professionally checked by experts, but you certainly need to understand your north star, and then coming down to you, coming down to your values, mission, vision, and then coming down to your strategy, uh, and making sure that you understand. I like what Conrad said. Understand whether it's a setback or it's a roadblock. You know, like it's a you know, don't think setback as a roadblock because you don't want to say you want to own noodle shop and then the next day you want to own a, a barber shop and then the day after you want to uh, become a different company again. Um, so, so thank you so much, Conrad, for your time. Uh, we appreciate your time and you know, you donating one of the most valuable things people have, which is time. And uh, SME all over the world will be very fortunate to. Uh, to be able to learn from this. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Conrad. Thanks, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, for more information on Leader Talk or for some great resources to help your business grow, check out brainiac.com.au. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Leader Talk. 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 Leader Talk.